Welcome to Rough Rider Productions' presentation of Hanging with Triple R, BZV, and Roe. And now introducing your show's host, Rough Rider Ricky. Yeah, there you go, everybody. How's that introduction? All right, so, all right. <clears throat> so where do I start? Let's start at December, excuse me, October 31st. Halloween was a Monday. And it was an uneventful day. Uh, we went ahead and uh, picked up the Jeep from Lazy Days RV from getting that ready for the RV trip. And uh, then handed out candy. And that was that. Tuesday starts a whole new month, November 1st. And everything goes smooth. I go, I pick up a bunch of stuff, deliver it to the jobs, get things going. And then that evening, about 8.30 that night, I uh, start having some chest pains. That's right. You hear it. Chest pains. Numbness in the left arm. Uh, talked to Cookie. We talked about going to the hospital. Wasn't sure if that was the uh, right thing to do. It probably would have been the smart thing to do. But, uh, you know, I'm hard-headed. So I didn't go. So Wednesday, November 2nd, comes around and I go, may as well call my cardiologist, talk to Dr. Taylor, because that episode that happened Tuesday night was kind of freaky. So <clears throat> Wednesday the 2nd, I call Dr. Taylor. They set me an appointment. Triage nurse calls back and says, hey, uh, instead of coming to the office, Dr. Taylor wants you to go to the emergency room right now. So I take off and uh, we go to the emergency room. Now this is a local emergency room, uh, part of Shands Hospital, uh, University of Florida, U of F, and it's in Leesburg. I get there and literally 12 hours goes by and they don't even see me. They do an initial EKG and uh, check the blood pressure, and they sit me out in the waiting room, and 12 hours later, I am still not seen. No follow-up uh, vitals taken. No follow-up blood taken. 12 hours, folks, sitting in an emergency room. Nothing happening uh, as far as uh, the complaints of chest pains go, and uh, you're not sick enough. Just wait out there with everybody else. And that was, that was that. So Wednesday night I go home and I'm like, wow, how crazy is that? So Thursday morning comes around. This is the third. And I call Dr. Taylor again. Yo, doc, this is what happened yesterday. And Dr. Taylor, he's part of Orlando Health Group. <clears throat> okay. And they say, come to one of our hospitals. So I'm like, all right. So I go to South Lake. That's in Claremont, Florida. And let me tell you something. From the minute I walked in to that place, I could tell that there was a huge difference. Huge difference. And truly was. Within two minutes of being checked in, I was back in a room 
and literally had four people in that room with me, one putting in a port in my arm and the other one asking a bunch of questions and the other one getting meds ready, getting the blood work ready and going from there. Uh, probably within about an additional 45 minutes of that point, uh, the ER doctor, he come in to see me and he had said that we are going to put me in a room and we are going to go ahead and order up some other tests to check and see what's going on with me. Um, probably, uh, within about an hour and 15 minutes of arrival, man, I was already in that room had a echocardiogram scheduled and a CT scan scheduled. Big difference. Big difference from Shans and U of X. Would never, ever recommend anybody to go there ever. So after the CT scan was first, echocardiogram was second. That was about the excitement for the day. So nothing really on Thursday other than those tests. Friday morning, shift change, new nurses, nurse comes in and says, 7 a.m., hey, has anybody talked to you yet about what's going to happen next? And I'm like, no, ma'am, not at all. She goes, well, let me tell you, we got a heart catheterization scheduled at 2 o'clock this afternoon for you. I'm like, okay, cool, I've been through one of those before. It's not really a big deal, and we'll go from there. Uh, probably within 15 minutes after talking on the phone to my wife and to my sister saying heart cath is next at two, the, uh, on floor cardiologist that morning and a nurse practitioner or nurse's tech or whatever you want to call him. His name was Wes, really cool guy. Felt like I'd known him forever. He comes in and he goes, hey, man, he goes, we got a heart cath scheduled at two, but you know what? We're changing it and we're taking you right now. And I'm like, really? Right now? And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, would there be a reason why we're doing that right now versus waiting till two o'clock? And he goes, well, we've seen an inclusion on your, on your CT scan. So we want to, we want to see what that is. And, uh, if it's anything, we'll pretty much go ahead and, uh, balloon you up and put a stint in if we need to. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. All right. Well, at that point, I can't call anybody back because they're all taking showers, getting ready, doing this, doing that. So I head on down to the cath lab and uh, go ahead and get in and, uh, you know, getting fixed up by the doctor, by the nurse technician, and uh, going from there. Uh, they hook me up with the medicine. That makes you feel really good and makes you not have a care in the world because truly I did not have a care in the world at that point. I was feeling really good. Uh, probably within about 10 minutes of the start of the catheterization, uh, he pulls out, he looks at me and he goes, hey man, he goes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go ahead and get a transport ready, and we're going to transport you downtown to ORMC because we are going to have to perform open-heart surgery and do a triple bypass. You got a uh, 90% calcified main artery on the back side of your heart, and two of your arteries that feed your heart on the front side are plus seven calcified over. No candidate for 
balloons and stints, but a good candidate for the cabbage, which is a coronary arterial bypass cabbage, right? <clears throat> now, of course, you know, being all hopped up on some good drugs, that doesn't phase me at all. I'm like, okay, doc, man, glad you caught it. Not realizing that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then first thing Monday morning, I'd be going under the knife on the table with somebody cracking my chest open. Didn't set in. Not even for a minute was I concerned. Uh, they bring me back down to the, uh, to the room, make sure my wound where they went in my wrist for the catheterization is uh, healing up and sealing up properly. And uh, then they're going to get me back to my room. And it becomes a waiting game from that point. And from there, uh, the wife comes. And, of course, by now, the medicine's wearing off. And as I explain to her what's going on, it really hits me. It hits me to where I am, uh, am going to be cracked open. And uh, not super happy about it. I get scared. I get all emotional and I, I start worrying. You know, I call my sister and, uh, at that point it's just, you know, hang out and, uh, ask questions, talk to people and just see what happens. So Friday goes and they get me a regular room now, uh, just to hang out in. I can't go home. Not sure when the transport's coming. So Friday night, I am still down in Claremont, hanging out, and it's tough. It's tough. Everybody's gone. I'm just there by myself, and, uh, you know, it's uh, really weird, the whole thing. Just really surreal. Just not sure. Had my phone with me, talked to some family members. Saturday comes around. Everybody uh, shows up. Sisters are in from out of town, wife's back, and uh, we are in uh, just watching TV and uh, talking and having fun. When I say having fun, just, you know, laughing, trying not to think about what really is going on in my life at this point. And, uh, <clears throat> so now... Everybody leaves Saturday, and it's Saturday night, and I'm talking with the nurses, same nurses as Friday night, so they know me, so it's not, you know, like I have to explain everything all over again and try and, uh, you know, have people empathize with me at that point. They knew what I was going through. They knew I was scared, and they knew I really, really didn't want to do it. You know, I'm freaking out. Two o'clock in the morning comes. Sunday morning, and there's the boys to transport me down to ORMC. So now it's getting real, right? So it's uh, it's sinking in. <clears throat> so I don't know. It's about eight a.m. Sunday morning now. Everybody starts showing up at a packed house. Two sisters. Uh, my wife comes. Her twin brother comes. Her sister comes with her husband. So 
everything's going good. Sunday, just rapping and talking and, you know, laughing and <clears throat> getting ready. Darkness falls. It's getting closer. It's getting real. My sister stayed with me, Mary Rose. There's a moment of silence because that, that was the hardest night of my life. I swore last Thursday that I wasn't going to get emotional anymore. And I really waited to do this podcast so I wouldn't get emotional. But it's hard not to. <clears throat> she sat on my bed and held my hand and uh, <laughs> got me to the point where about 3.30 comes along in the morning, Monday morning, and they need to start shaving and sanitizing me for surgery. Talk about getting real. So that happens. I shave myself, give myself a shower, which sucked because it was a cold shower at 3.30 in the morning, and you're scared to death already. Now you're taking a cold shower, trying to sanitize your body, shave it, and then you can't put anything on because you got to be sanitized. So you can't put your dirty clothes back on. You can't lay down in the dirty bed. So the nurses needed to bring in clean sheets, clean blankets, a clean gown. And, and that happens. A couple hours later, it's all over again. You get another, you get another uh, go around as far as a shower goes. And uh, pretty much they said at 530 come and get you about 545 they were there and uh took me into the uh surgical waiting room uh as far as you know prep goes and three lovely young ladies hop on me as soon as i get there they are putting more ports in both hands both wrists both arms and then the uh one of a couple anesthesiologists comes in and he says, Hey man, where they did your heart cath, I'm going to go in a little further downstream from that. And I'm going to put in an automatic blood pressure monitor for surgery. That's what I'm going to do right now while you're here. And he sits down, he's talking to me and you know, I don't know, I guess somebody hooked up a bag to me of something because I started just being relaxed and uh, just chilling. And when he was done, man, they moved me right into the operating room. I, I, I don't even know what time it is. I don't even know how long I was there. But going in, it's just all white. It's, it's all white. That's all I remember. I remember going from the gurney to the operating table. And then I remember waking up at 3 o'clock Tuesday morning. Three o'clock Tuesday morning is the next thing I remember. Monday morning, somewhere before seven, the operating room. And then I don't remember nothing until I started waking up Tuesday morning at three o'clock in the morning. So obviously I made it through surgery, right? Because I'm waking up and uh, there's a girl named Ashley. She's my nurse, Ashley. So I'm talking with Ashley at three o'clock in the morning, trying to figure out what's going on. She's telling me now, of course, you know, I'm still in and out of it. I'm looking and seeing what's hooked up to me, where it's hooked up to me, why it's hooked up to me. And I don't know, pretty
pretty much seven o'clock comes around Tuesday morning. And Ashley is handing me off to Jessica, who is now the t- Tuesday nurse. And she is going to get me ready to go to my room out of intensive care. And of course, you know, everybody's there. So I'm seeing the wife, I'm seeing my sisters and, uh, just going, Hey, what's up? And you know, of course I'm real weak. I'm just crazy, but everybody's happy that I'm awake and you know, we're moving along. Eight o'clock comes, nine o'clock comes, 1030 comes, and that's when everybody starts showing up. Physical therapy, occupational therapy, and you know what? Get me up. Get me out of that chair, and I have to go for a walk. Couldn't fucking believe it. (laughs) Couldn't believe it. And, you know, I'm trying to piece together what happened on Monday, but it's not really something that I had to worry about at that point in time. So they, uh, they shoot me up with some Lasix to help get some of the fluid out before leaving ICU. And, uh, they still leave me hooked up to the pee bag and, uh, they, they pull that out last minute, right before they actually do move me. And they pull one chest tube out, leaving three in. They leave the electric wires that are wired to my heart and wired to a battery charger. They keep that in uh, just because my heart needs to stay in rhythm and they have to zap it and shock it with electricity in order to do that if it comes out of rhythm. So I had two wires that went through my chest into my heart and coiled up under the heart muscle. And when they were actually ready to move me, they unhooked me from the machine and just put some wire nuts on. Pretty funny. So with that being said, I leave Jessica's care and I go into my recovery room at that point. 312, 312. And I think there was a C at the end of it. That's going to be my new home for the next five to six days. And, uh, we make the move. So it's goodbye to Jessica. And I believe Sarah takes over at that point. And now I am uh, just getting situated, uh, hanging out, and make it through Tuesday. I make it through Tuesday night. Not a problem. Come into Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, I am getting one more chest tube removed that day, uh, getting the electric wires removed that day, and just have a day of recovery. Physical therapy comes, occupational therapy comes. Get up, do my walking around, and uh, still getting pumped with Lasix to get rid of the fluids in my chest cavity, and uh, taking potassium, and staying comfortable with pain meds. Got my little heart pillow that acts as my teddy bear. And so Wednesday was just a day. Thursday is when now I'm, you know, anesthesia is wearing off some. My chest is numb. I don't feel anything. I got 
wires and holes and everything sticking all out of me. And I start paying attention to my leg now from my ball sack down to my ankle. I don't, they didn't cut me open that far. They, they, they put a few incisions in and they removed a vein that went that long. And the reason they did that was to rebuild a couple arteries on the top side of my heart. That's what they used, the vein. Okay. Then when they cut my chest open and split my rib cage and my sternum, you have two mammary arteries that run in there pretty big in your, in your, in your chest cavity. They went ahead and pulled one of them and rebuilt my artery on the backside of that. That, that's what they used. So reality is the first thing they did was grafted the vein out of my leg. Then they cut my chest open. Then they bust my sternum open with a grinder and the splitter. They exposed my chest cavity, my heart, my lungs, and everything. They put me on the bypass machine where they bypass my heart and lungs. They have to get the blood pumping. They have to oxygenate the blood. So they do that with the machine, and my heart is then stopped. So I literally, if not for the machine, I was, I was dead. Not pronounced dead, okay? But heart stopped, and my body just artificially being pumped with blood and oxygen to keep my brain alive. I always say they might have missed a couple minutes because I probably have brain damage now, but I think that was happened way before the surgery. So that's that was the surgery, you know, besides everything that was, you know, sticking out of me, okay? And I start thinking Thursday, Thursday night, and Friday about it, trying to figure out exactly what happened, the trauma that I've been through, and the fact that I can't feel anything. I feel my leg. My leg hurt the worst, but not my chest. Nothing. Nothing with my chest, my sternum, nothing. But, man, I listened. When when they told me I had to do this, I did it. When they said you can't do that, I didn't do it. When they said you needed to do this, did it. I treated those nurses, the nurses' technicians, the doctors, the, the doctor's assistants, everybody that stepped in my room through that door, I treated with respect. <clears throat> they were taken care of. They did not need an asshole for a patient. I wasn't going to be that way. So, you know, my doctor, he came every day. My, uh, my cardiologist, he came every day. And they came to see me. Made me feel good. Very emotional going through this whole thing. Very emotional. And uh, Friday, 7 a.m. comes along. And I have a nurse. Her name is Emery. I'm going to say her name. I said other names. I always said I wouldn't say names on my uh, podcast. But that's if somebody's telling a story that they don't need real names to. But when I'm telling a story about somebody that took care of me while I was there, I'm going to say their name. I would have to say out of all the nurses, the nurses' helpers, the staff nurse, floor nurse, or desk nurse, whatever, nurse practitioner, uh, nurse's assistant, Emory. Emory was the best. I don't know. I don't know why. They were all great. They all took care of me. I can't tell you why. Probably because she was releasing me. 
she was the one that was my last nurse to get me out of that place. Maybe that's why I liked her the so much. But she took the last chest tube out. Actually, I think she took the she was the one who took the wires out and my last two chest tubes. Yeah, I believe she took both of them. Okay, well, it's hard to remember everything too, and and the way it went down. But I got to give her some props. She she is in the right field. She has the right mentality and personality to take care of people and make them feel good. So I appreciated knowing her, having her take care of me, and pretty much having my life in her hands. She was the one that watched over me while it was her shift. So that was nice. Her name is Emery. People remember that. I remember that. She actually took the bandage off, and her and I together was the first one to see my, my actual skull. Uh, going down my chest. And believe you me, when I first looked at it, I'm like, seriously? I couldn't believe it. It didn't look bad at all. No stitches, no anything. He super glued me back together. Yeah, man. So uh, that was that was pretty cool. So she, she took a picture of it, and she sent it to Dr. Hannah. Dr. Hannah was my surgeon. I figured I would save that to last about that part of it. So... With that being said, Emery, she, you know, got me hooked up to leave. So, you know, Saturday morning, she's, you know, pulling off the bandages, all my bandages, making sure I was cleaned up for the most part. All that sticky shit from the bandages and everything. That, that was crazy. And uh, from that point, you know, I'm going to talk about Dr. Hannah. I first met Dr. Hannah Sunday morning. I don't know, probably like around 9-ish, 10-ish. He came in. Uh, introduced himself, introduced one of his uh, nurses. That, that's pretty much her, his right hand while he's in surgery. And we spoke for a few minutes. Now, of course, you know, I'm scared to death of everything. You know, this is Sunday. We're going back to Sunday before surgery. Okay. And, uh, you know, like I said, pretty much scared to death. So uh, my questions to ask him weren't that really super good. They were pretty much uh, not ignorant, but just not not great right not great but you know what he was pretty awesome he came to see me every day while I was in the hospital and you know and then I did my follow-up with him but Dr. Hannah he's awesome I will stay in contact with him I do have his email address and uh over the years and in time I will uh, always say thank you to him at least on my birthdays and the holidays because if it wasn't for him I wouldn't be here right now being able to talk to you about it. And I feel pretty good that I didn't get all emotional uh, going over everything that, that happened. But uh, but really, the level of care that I received at Orlando Regional Medical Center, ORMC, was amazing. The people that work there, everything. From what I understand, I, I, I don't think I ever seen her. I'm not sure if I seen her. I can't remember seeing her. I'm sure I did talk to her. I'm sure I did see her. But this chick's name was Ginger. She took care of me right out of surgery. And from what I understand, she even stayed late past her shift to make sure that I was well taken care of the first night from surgery. That's enough to choke you up and make you feel good. Ginger, if you listen, somehow, some way, somebody tells you to listen to one of your patients podcast 
I just want to take my hat off and tip it to you and say happy holidays to you and your family. And uh, you just might be seeing me one of these days before Christmas with a nice present for you. Uh, sometimes it's it's hard. I get a little choked up, you know, when saying thank you. But listen, until you're in a situation as I was in, you, you really don't know. You, you might think how you would react. You might think about what you might say. You might think about your life, but unless you're in it and going through it and dealing with it, it ain't the same. Uh, family members were strong, needed to be strong. Uh, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, spouse. It's crazy. It really is. But with that being said, I am doing good. Uh, I have been released from the doctors for six months. Uh, I do my exercises. I, I do my uh, little walks that I'm supposed to do. Um, I still protect the sternum. I have a total of three more Mondays from today. Uh, three more weeks. Uh, you know, continued bed rest, no lifting, no doing anything, basically. Uh, it was told to me many times over from many people in this position to protect the sternum. That is my main focus. The heart itself is strong and is going to continue to get stronger. Uh, my lungs, you know, need some work. Uh, just breathing exercises to get those back to normal. Uh, of course, you know, when they shut your lungs down, they collapse a little bit. They start at the bottom, and depending on how long and by the, you know, how long you're on the machine and by the time they get you off the machine, how much of the lung had actually collapsed and what type of breathing exercises you need to get shit back to normal again. So with all that being said, all, all I can do is just keep praying every day, keep saying prayers for other people, in the same situation every day. Pray for the people that had taken care of me every day, that they are truly blessed in their lives and that they continue to find the strength to take care of other people that need to be taken care of. And and it, it goes, I, I don't know, it goes from where. Uh, I'm, it just, it's just one of those things that just, until you go through it, until you experience it, you listen to somebody talking about it and you just, you just don't know. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know how to react to what they say. All you can do is just take their word for it that they know because they've been through it and they were through it. There's only one thing that bugs the crap out of me and that is I got a bed sore right on the crack of my, you know what, my behind. And that bugs me the worst out of everything. Man, if I can get that fixed, I, I'd probably be 100% better than what I am right now. But with all that being said, I am going to check out. I think I hit everything really good as far as uh, what happened, why it happened. And uh, again, if I could remember every single one of them each and every day, I mean, it started with Ginger, Ashley, Jessica, Sarah. Then there were a couple in between. Emery took over, and uh, 
probably the reason I feel that way about Emery is because she was the one who was actually there last and the one that released me. So there we go. A special shout out to all those ladies that were there for me and that took care of me and that got me to this point.